Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Christmas gives us the ideal opportunity to reflect on the significance of who Jesus is and why He came, but so often we miss it in the hustle and hurry of the season. Let's listen in as Pastor Matt Smith teaches us to identify the distractions that keep us from seeing Jesus and invites us to intentionally pause and behold the glory of the newborn King. Well, praise Jesus, the snow has begun to melt. It's interesting, if, if tonight is your first night with us, uh, we are in a series where we're focusing on a specific word all throughout this Christmas. That we're stepping into a place where God is going to move in us and we're focusing on a word that you just heard several times right in the reading of that scripture. And if you notice, I tried to put some emphasis on it and hopefully you already saw it on the screen. There's a word, behold. And it's seen all throughout Scripture. And maybe you have a more modern translation that has chosen to leave it out. And why, like, modern translations decided to leave that out, I really don't know. Um, maybe it's because behold is just not a normal word. You just, like, you just don't walk home and say, behold, honey, I'm home. You just don't do that. Like, it's just weird. Um, but it is a word all throughout Scripture. In the original Greek and Hebrew languages, the original languages of the Bible, it's used over a thousand times between Old and New Testament. And the reason why, it's like a lot of those Hebrew and Greek words, it, it, there's not a good English equivalent. Like there's not a good single English word to, to translate perfectly to the word that is written in the scriptures. And the way we're kind of defining it is, is it really means pause and pay attention. Like when God says, behold, what he's saying is like pause. Like, whatever you've been doing, stop doing it. And let me get your undivided attention because I'm about to do something or say something that you don't need to miss. It's important and it's powerful. And I'm about to do something or say something that has the potential to greatly change your life. And if you don't stop what you're doing, if you don't pause and pay attention, you're going to miss it. And I talked about, like, not only has it been lost from modern translation, like, behold, has been lost from our lives. Like, we have a hard time beholding because we're not a culture that likes to pause, and we're not really good at paying attention. It takes so little for us to get distracted. I'm just seeing if y'all paying attention. But really, like, because the reality is, like, behold is, is, not, is not an easy thing to do. And, and there's a lot of barriers to behold. And we've talked about those. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about overcoming the barriers to our ability to behold. And maybe even overcoming the things that will give us a renewed desire to behold. And it's interesting, week one, I told you about mine. That, like, the barriers to my ability to behold are pace, priority, and posture. Like pace, we live at too fast a pace. And I just wonder if it's a coincidence that the week after I talked about pace, it snowed. Very funny, God. Because I'll be honest with you, I hate winter. If you like winter, there's something wrong with you. It's cold and gets dark at 2 o'clock. Oh, I just love it. Shut up, it's awful. It's cold and it's dark. People talk about hell being hot. No, hell will be cold and dark. <laughs> that is darkness and the devil go hand in hand. Jesus is light. 
devil, it's dark. So people who, if you like winter, you're a demon, I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and so like as the snow was coming, everybody's like, it's going to snow. I'm like, it's going to snow. But can I, and this is a cheesy line, but I feel like God said it to me. Like in a season where we need to slow, maybe, maybe snow is the only way for us to slow. Like maybe like it takes something like that to get us to calm down. And I hope that maybe for those few days when you were trapped in the house, you were able to kind of maybe enjoy your family and stop for a minute and just maybe do some things you don't normally get to do and just soak in some rest because maybe we just need that in order to behold him. And, and maybe I'm overreading it or over-spiritualizing it, but maybe, maybe God sent that to us for the purpose of just saying, hey, um, I'm going to challenge you to behold and I'm going to give you a reason just to stop. I'm crazy. Okay, thank you. That's okay. <laughs> but but we've, we've, we've just kind of, we need to do it because the reality is, you know, God's constantly working in your life. Right. Anybody over here know that? Anybody over there does. Um, like God's constantly working in your life. Like always, all the time. Like God doesn't take breaks. He doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber. Go read Psalm 121. Like, he, he, he's always working in your life. But the problem is you just fail to behold it. Because maybe he's working in ways that are hard for you to see or maybe ways that you wouldn't prefer that he be working. And, it, and, and you miss it. But the beauty is in the behold. That God is working in our lives constantly. He's constantly doing things. And if you would just pause and pay attention, if you would have the courage to make the decision to behold him, you could find the encouragement and the hope and the answers and the things that you're looking for from him. And maybe he's doing it and he's like, I'm doing it. You're just missing it. I'm here. Like I can even be in snow, Matt, as much as you hate it. Like I'm working. So we just... We decided that we were going to decide to behold this season. And the beauty of it, it's a decision. We have to make the decision to behold. See, behold is not demanded of us from God. Behold is not a demand, it's an invitation. Behold is not a demand, it's an invitation. God does not demand that you behold him. And he's not dependent on your ability to behold him. Like, he's working all the time, whether you want him to or not, and whether you like it or not, or in ways that you, he's always working. But you get the opportunity to make the decision to pay attention to him. That's the beauty about our God. Like, he doesn't force himself on you. He doesn't make you pay attention. He doesn't make you obedient. He, does, he never wanted to turn you into his spiritual little puppet. He gives you the decision to behold him. That's the authentic, genuine, sincere relationship we get to have with God. And the beauty about it is, too, like, that decision is available to everybody. Like, we all get the opportunity to decide to behold him, that whether you're 8 or 80, you can behold him. Whether you're rich or poor, he invites you to behold him. No matter the color of your skin or the degrees on your wall or the title in front of your name, like, you're invited to behold him. Did you notice that? And that started, behold unto you for all people. And see, like, they needed to hear that because Israel thought they were special. In a lot of ways, they were. Like, they were God's chosen people because God had to choose some people group to bring his son to the world. But he wanted to remind them, like, don't think that this is just for you. 
Don't think that the baby that's coming, the Messiah that you've been waiting for, is just confined to your people group or your nationality or you. Like this Savior that's coming, yeah, he's going to be through you and for you, but he's going to be for all people everywhere. That means he came for the annoying family member you'll get to hang out with next weekend. <laughs> for the coworker that frustrates you. For the Muslim that you don't understand. for the homeless person that you'd rather to avoid, for all people. Because you do, like he came for all people and we're reminded through all throughout scripture, 1 Timothy chapter two, this is good and pleases God our savior who wants all people, all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, that man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Like everybody has the invitation to behold him. Like God is not hiding himself from anyone. He is constantly making himself known and visible and inviting you to behold. And when we make that decision to give him a chance, and that's what God's inviting you to, even in this moment, is, is just, just give me a shot. Behold me. Look at me. See what I'm doing. Be reminded of who I am. Take note of the things I'm trying to do in your life. And there are behold moments littered all throughout your history. And sometimes you behold best from behind. I ain't said this in any other services. Y'all get a little special treat. Have you ever noticed that? That I, my best beholding is from behind. I can look back. And I didn't behold it then, but I can behold it now. Testify somebody. Come on. Like you can look back and you can see like, God, that was you. That was you that that didn't let me get aborted because my biological mom was a teenager and probably should have because it was five years after abortion was legal in this country. God, that was you that, that allowed me not to grow up in foster homes but put me in a home of two parents who loved me and showed me Jesus. God, that, that was you. That was you that kept me alive that night in Brian Thomas's car when I shouldn't have been in there. Y'all got quiet on me. Come on. Y'all been in that time. Sit. Like, there's these behold moments. But, you know, now we're at a point where I got to challenge you to do more than behold. Because at some point you got to go beyond behold. Because everything that God has done that he's asked you to behold has been in the hopes that you would be inspired to believe. Everything that God has done in Scripture, in life, all throughout history, every behold moment, God has done it in the hopes that you would be inspired to believe. He's wanting you to make that transition, like all these amazing things that he's doing in your life and all the things that we see him do in Scripture. Like, like when Jesus came to this planet and, and every sermon that he preached and every miracle that he did and every cool thing, that, I mean, when he turned water in, into wine, he was saying, behold. When he raised Lazarus from the grave, he was saying, behold. When he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he was saying, behold. And he wasn't doing it just to be seen or to make a scene. He was doing it not just to be a spectacle, but to lead you to a savior. Amen. And at some point, you've got to go beyond behold, and you've got to believe. 
And if all you do this Christmas season is behold, then nothing's really going to change. See, I've been inviting you to overcome the barriers to behold in hopes that you would see the God who's calling you to believe. Because when you believe, that's when things begin to change. It's belief that changes everything. It's trusting him and walking with him. And you can see him and not know him. And see, like, like everything that he did, let me just remind, look, look at what John, when John finished his gospel, John, who was one of the, the first to behold, to physically behold Jesus, he writes this as he wraps up his, his gospel. He says, Jesus performed, in John chapter 20, verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not recorded in this book. In, order, in other words, y'all, Jesus did a lot to behold, and I ain't got time to write all of it down. There was a lot. He says in verse 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. What John is saying, I got to behold a lot. <laughs> like, like me and my friends, we beheld a lot. And you know what? What we were able to behold caused us to believe. And when we believed, it changed everything for us. Amen. And my hope is that the Jesus you behold in this gospel that I'm writing will cause you to make the same decision that I made. That you would not just behold, but you would believe. And I think like God's calling a lot of people in this series and in this room tonight, and as we move, like, like okay, you've been beholding for far too long. It's time to believe. It's time to make that transition. To believe, to actually put your trust in him and follow him and allow what you're beholding to actually begin to infiltrate your life. How you make your decisions, how you approach relationships, how you deal with your finances, how you approach your career, how you see your neighbors. Like really, because that's what believing really is. It, believing is really where, where what you're beholding is begin to influence how you're living. Right? That's what it's about. And some people might say, well, well, I don't know if you can truly behold and not believe, but many did. There were thousands in the scriptures that got to behold Jesus, but never made the decision to believe. Let me show you. Look at, again, John's gospel, chapter 12. Pick up with verse 37. It says, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still did not believe. John says, like, like there were a lot of people who got to behold what we got to behold, but they just wouldn't believe. Not because they didn't behold it, not because they didn't, they saw it, but they didn't see it. They watched him, but somehow met, never managed to, to believe in him. Verse 38 says, this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they, can't, they could not believe. Because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn. And I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they could not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in 
darkness. So you can behold and still be in the dark. It's believing that moves you into the light. And I think, I think God's looking at some people in the room and like, what more do I have to do? Like, how much more are you going to have to behold before you believe? Like, what's it going to take? You've been sitting in this room, in this church, for a really long time, beholding him. Your grandma's been on her knees praying for you since the day you came out of the womb. And God's been showing up in your life. He's performed miracle after miracle after miracle in your life, whether you knew it was him or not. And he's like, hey, it's me. Why don't you stop just beholding me and believe in me? Because I want a relationship with you. I didn't come just so you could sit back and watch me. I came so you could walk with me. To make that transition from behold to believe. Because when beholding leads to believing, it gives us the opportunity to belong. That when we believe in his name, when we put our trust in him, something happens to us. And we get to belong to something bigger than ourselves. We get to belong to him. Like we get get adopted as sons and daughters, and all the rights thereof. That we get to, we get to, we belong to him, which means everything but belongs to him belongs to us. Like we get to have this sense of belonging to him. And not only do we get to belong to him, that when we become his children, that means we become brothers and sisters. That we belong to a people and a promise that is eternal, that is bigger than the craziness that is the world that you see around you. When you behold him and that beholding leads to believing and you put your trust in him, you get to belong to an eternal spiritual family. It means you are bound to the people around you. That you have a promise that will outlast all the things in this world. Everything in this place will eventually pass away. But when you belong to the family of God, there's an eternal seal put on your soul. That, whew, yeah, go ahead. Again, let me go back to John. John chapter 1, pick up what verse 9. It says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Then listen to this, verse 12. Yet to all who did, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. Like for those who had the courage to go from just beholding to believing, they got to belong to his family as adopted sons and daughters and all the benefits that come along with that. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. 
For all of you who are baptized into Christ have, been cl- have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free. There is male nor female nor black nor white nor rich nor poor nor Duke fan or Carolina fan. For you are all one in Christ. Verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You get to belong to a people and a promise. And whether you know it, there's something that is wired into your DNA. You long to belong to what I'm talking about. Because before you were knit in your mother's womb, he created you like, like you were made for this. You want to belong. And maybe you don't even know that's what's wrong. But you, like you were created this. And once you understand it, and once you've tasted it the way God has meant for you to taste it, you realize this is essential to your life as the air that you breathe. And that you're surrounded by brothers and sisters. And you may not know them, and they may not know you, and they may look different than you, but they're your family. And we may not all have the same blood flowing in us, but we have the same blood that has flowed over us and cleansed us and made us his children. And that's who he is. And so few people ever get there. And they'll walk through this Christmas thinking about Santa Claus and all the other silliness that we get caught up in. And even when he was here, so many missed it. Do you realize there were only a select few that actually had the courage to behold him, believe in him, and belong to him when he was here. But even they had to overcome some things. Because see, this is, this is we, we, we can't move forward without having this conversation. You, you can behold, you can believe, and you can belong, but you're gonna still have the temptation to betray. You can behold, you can believe, and you can belong, but you're still going to have the temptation to betray. Even after you've beho- had the courage to behold, and even, even after you've believed, and even after you've made the decision to belong, you're still going to battle the temptation to betray. Even the first who did it had to deal with it. Those first disciples, guys like John, you do realize they all in some form or fashion had a moment where they betrayed Jesus. Now, we look at, at two specific ones that, that kind of really stand out. Peter. Oh, Peter. I mean, we know about his, he had one of the most famous betrayals in all of our faith. John chapter 18, verse 25 says, Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, aren't you one of the disciples too? Like, aren't, aren't you one of those people who was with Jesus? That, that's you, right? And he denied it, saying, I am not. And in that moment, Peter, who got to behold Jesus, who had made a decision to believe in Jesus, and who'd belonged to a tight-knit group of people who followed Jesus, gave in to the temptation to betray. The only one more famous than him is Judas. 
Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now I think, you know, it's funny how we look at Peter and, and Judas so different. As if, Judas. Like even Peter's saying, at least I'm not Judas, right? But, but, you know, there had to be a point at some point where Judas had demonstrated such a commitment to Jesus that it earned the trust of the disciples that they put him in charge of the money. So that means like Judas, it's like we look at Judas and like, well, he was never really with them. He was bad. He was just a bad apple from the beginning. But no, like I don't see it. Like you don't trust people with your money unless they give you a good reason. So I believe there was at some point that, that Judas, Judas was, fallen, was, was committed to Jesus, that Judas, just as much as Peter, had beheld him, had believed in him, and had belonged to them. And before you start judging Judas and Peter, just remember that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Because just like Peter and just like Judas, you and I too have had a moment of betrayal. Like we all have. Like we've had, all had a moment where we betrayed what we believed. When we've denied him by being disobedient in some form or fashion. Where even after we had the courage to behold and believe and belong, we found ourselves in a moment of weakness and temptation got the best of us and we betrayed him. And I think about I think about Peter, that Peter got the chance to see Jesus on the other side of the grave. He got to experience the forgiveness. He got to sit down with him at that breakfast and be restored. And we know that Peter got to go on and do all these amazing things. And all I, can, I feel bad for Judas, that he never got to sit down and let Jesus forgive him because I believe Jesus would have just as much as he did Peter. But Judas let the guilt and the shame get the best of him. Guilt caused him to miss out on the opportunity to behold the forgiveness of Jesus that would have surely been offered had the guilt and the shame not forced him to take his own life. That it was guilt and shame that became his barrier to behold. And I just wonder how many people still have that same problem. That your ability to behold is buried by the guilt and shame of your betrayal. That somewhere along the way that you betrayed God, you gave in to temptation and you did something and, you, and it drew you away and you have convinced yourself that because of that betrayal, you're disqualified. That you won't, even, you won't even let him forgive you because you can't forgive yourself. But can I tell you something? No matter how big the betrayal, you are still invited to behold. Amen. No matter how big the betrayal, you are still invited to behold. Because what Jesus did on the cross made forgiveness for any and everything possible.
That's the beauty of who God is and what he has done. And tonight, I want you to, um, to invite you to step out of that betrayal and behold again. See, it's weird, man, how next Tuesday, all of us at some point will do, I think, what we do at my house. This, this happens at my house every single Christmas. We've, we've gone through it, and, and, we, and we find ourselves on Christmas morning, and the next thing you know, our kids are up at the crack of dawn. They can't get up for school. They can get up to open presents. And we get up, and all the presents get unwrapped, and you're sitting there in a sea of torn up paper, and at some point we'll say this, well, Christmas is over. Because it seems like it's become more about the buildup than the birth. But the reality is, the birth was just the beginning. That on that first Christmas day, when Jesus entered the world, it wasn't over. It was just getting started. Because the baby would become a boy. And the boy would become a man. And eventually, he would no longer be in a manger, but he would hang on a cross. And he would shed his blood. So that all of us betrayers would have the ability to behold him. See... It began with his birth, but it was finished by his blood. And so today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to remember that sacrifice. That, yeah, the best way to celebrate Christmas is to remember his birth, but to accept his blood that was shed for you. So after you had beheld and after you had believed and after you had belonged, temptation got you and you betrayed. The blood would make it possible for you to behold, believe, and belong again. So in just a minute, we're going to take communion together. Our host team's going to come and they're going to pass you the elements. And there's going to be a top layer which allows you to take the wafer that represents the body of our Savior broken for you and the next layer is the juice which represents his shed blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins and I hope that tonight you behold not just the birth but the blood would you bow your heads with me close your eyes if you're here tonight and maybe you have never made that decision you've been beholding for a while but you've never step from behold to belief and, and now you want to make that transition so Matt I, I've beheld for a long time but I know it's time for me to believe if that's you would you have the courage just to stand to your feet right where you are stand up on your feet I want to go from behold to believe so that I can belong and be a part of all that he has for me if that's you would you just rise to your feet amen Or maybe you're in the room and your barrier to behold is you've been buried by guilt and shame. And tonight, you just need to let God forgive you and allow yourself to forgive yourself. Somewhere along the way, you had a betrayal. And tonight, you've been reminded that the betrayal have, may have been big, but it has not 
removed your invitation to behold. And you say, Matt, I just need God to forgive me and I need to forgive myself. If that's you, would you stand to your feet? I'm just gonna receive his forgiveness. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, amen, amen. I'm gonna invite those of you who are seated to join those who are standing. And as you're standing, I'm gonna pray. And when I say amen, our host team is gonna begin to pass the elements. And as you take communion tonight, if you want to sit where you are and just soak in those elements, if you want to come and turn this platform into an altar and partake that way, however you feel led. Father, I pray that tonight you would help us to behold you once again. Not just your birth, but your blood. The blood that washes away our sins. The blood that allows forgiveness to be possible. The blood that wipes away even the worst of betrayals. And God, for those who stood up tonight crossing from just beholding to having the courage to believe, I pray that you would affirm that decision at every turn. God, for those who are just wrestling with the things from their past that they believe for far too long have disqualified them, I pray that the power of the forgiveness and freedom you offer would wash over them as they take these elements, be reminded of how powerful your forgiveness is. God, meet with us now. Speak to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.